Hello, and welcome back to the Performance Cycling Podcast. I'm Todd Norwood, here with my co-host, Jason Hammond. Hey, Todd. How's it going? It's going well. Can't complain today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We're actually going to talk about some of our own race experiences and the lessons that we took away from them that made us better riders, and hopefully uh, you can reflect on your own races, see if there's some overarching themes that we're talking about, or see if uh, our lessons can help you become a better bike racer. All right, you want to you wanna jump in first? So my first example is, it was actually a Cat 4 race. Um, it was called the Tour de Fish uh, back in Pennsylvania. And I remember starting the race, it was on an elementary school uh, circle, like where the buses would go. Okay. And the road was really torn up. And so it was, it was a moderately technical crit. There were like 50 people in it. And that's something Pennsylvania has really big fields, especially in the lower categories. And do you know where I sat for 90% of the race? 49th? Yes, I was last wheel. I started the race, I felt awful. And I just sat in the race. There's no reason to drop out. The intensity wasn't too high. You just sit there. And I think with five laps to go, I said, okay, let's just have a gel. Maybe that'll help. I, I, I don't know. I was, I was a cat four. I didn't have much experience with fueling or hydration or, you know, race prep even. And I just took a gel and then three laps to go. I said, well, we got to get to the front if we're going to do anything. And so I, you know, I snaked my way to the front and I ended up sprinting, I think for fourth or fifth. And, you know, the, the big takeaway that I took for myself was, you know, it doesn't matter what happens the whole race. If you're top five wheels going into the last corner, there's a chance you get a result. And that, that helped me realize that it doesn't matter how you feel and, you know, take a gel, shut up, get to the front, you know, get to the front with one to two laps to go, hold your wheel and, you know, get out of the saddle when it's the right time. Cool. So I, mean, I think I have a, a similar story, uh, not necessarily feeling poorly. Actually, I was feeling pretty good that day, a mountain bike race uh, back when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, right at the start, I just got tangled up with the two people on either side of me where they come off the start. And so I think two of, and like two to three of us ended up going down. Uh, and so I was like last last person to get up and, you know, get everything sorted out and saddle straightened out and all that stuff. And, you know, like watching the rest of the field go away from me. And, you know, it's like a little moment of panic, right? Like, oh, well, I, mean, I guess I could just quit, but like I'm not going to because I'm here. And so I just, just started chasing. And, you know, I think after that momentary panic, sort of like my rational mind started to function a little bit better. I was like, okay, you got a long race ahead of you. You can't just go all in right at this moment to try to catch up to the leaders. Like you just need to ride your pace just like you were in the front of the race and slowly, you know, slowly pick people off over time and, and ride, ride the race that you were going to ride just like that crash didn't happen and, and use that strategy that you had at the beginning of the day. And, um, so, you know, sure enough, I, I went through and I ended up, I got to the lead with, uh, oh, gee, I mean, maybe three quarters of a mile to go or so. Oh. And, um, it's just like, I think it was, it was hot that day. It was a long race. It was a lot of effort to get there. And I just, like, I just passed the guy and we were kind of dueling it out and he just nipped me on the line. Um, so I got, ended up getting second, but it's like, okay, you know, all things said, like, that's a terrible way to start a race. Right? You don't want to start a race on the ground, watching everybody else ride away from you. And if you just, 
you know, stick with your plan. Um, even though sometimes, you know, you have to acknowledge that your plan gets changed along the way. Uh, ride your race, ride to your strengths. You can, I think, as you know, as you showed with your story, you can come out with a pretty decent result um, if you're able to just uh, kind of get over the, the bad luck sometimes and not let that get you down. Yeah, I think the big big theme here might be that the minute you quit or give up or sit up, your race is over, like guaranteed over. And there's a chance your race is over if you keep going as well. But the moment you sit up, it's definitely over. So really try and, you know, don't give up until, you know, it's really, really obvious that, you know, your race is over. Yeah. I mean, there's obvious things. Like I wasn't injured per se, right? Like I had some scrapes and okay, nothing, just superficial flesh wounds, if you will, nothing that was serious, right? It's a different discussion if you have a, a serious injury that's going to prevent you from, from riding or continuing. But, um, you know, there's like the flat tires you're going to get along the way, the, the other little mechanicals that you might have, or you drop the water bottle, all those little things. Uh, you can't let that get in your head and keep you from riding your race. You, if you can get you know, have the mental toughness or the tenacity to get around that, uh, who knows, you might, you might end up surprising yourself and actually getting a really good result despite the challenges that you had to overcome yeah like uh i think my first collegiate race we were going over a roller and someone uh chopped my front wheel with half a lap to go Uh, a road race not a crit half a lap would be the end of the race but um, i remember getting back on the bike and everyone in the race was being really defensive they it was really bunched leading into the last it was like an uphill kicker into the sprint and it was plenty of time for me to ride back into the field and uh, I ended up getting third in that race. And uh, yeah, it's like, well, I hit the deck 10 minutes before the end of the race. You know, you just, you just get back on and you keep going. You have no idea what's going to happen up ahead. The same thing if your last wheel and you're eating your stem in a crit in a windy crit and you have no idea, you know, maybe the front group caught the breakaway that they were chasing or Maybe the people who are being aggressive gave up and it becomes much a much more defensive, negative race. You could absolutely recover and sprint again. And you just have to keep that in mind when you're racing. Yeah, I mean, I think the other like similar thing, again, one of my first road, I didn't really race road until I got into collegiate. I was mostly doing mountain bike stuff. And I was like, oh, I can race my road bike? Okay, well, I guess, I guess I'll give that a shot. And it was our, I want to say our conference championships that year might have been my third road race at that time and it was like one of our guys was doing pretty well i was in the b field at that time like my guys was fighting for the omnium and i was like well look hey i'm in pretty good shape like i'll just do whatever like you need me to do cover and tack you need me to do whatever i'll do whatever as long as i can do it and then i'll peter out and ride back to the car like it's it's fine i have nothing nothing that's on the line for me today and so it was like it was up in Reno, so it was at altitude, and everybody's a little like a little wigged out about the altitude, though it's really not that high at Reno. But that's that's another another issue. And it was like a super long two lap out and back. Uh, it was hilly. I mean, like for a, it was like I want to say it was over seventy miles for the bees. There's just like collegiate the races are so long. It was like okay, well, so we're just out here in the middle of nowhere, riding and riding and up and down, up and down, and just like like remember, like okay, we're going a pretty good clip, and pretty soon you look back and it's like oh there's not much left of the field like in the first lap it was like oh now there's like eight guys and like you know my guy and a few other people like okay well um i'm just gonna ride really hard 
for you know for my guy for for as long as I can and the miles just kept going by and very soon it's like oh we're three miles from the finish line and it's all downhill now and there's five of us so I'm gonna get fifth at least and hopefully I've got enough legs to you know you know lead out my guy for the sprint and luckily I did and uh, he ended up winning it was just like one of those things where I had no sometimes you have no desires or no plans for the race right like i'm just gonna do this modest thing i'm gonna like ride i, I mean i think in my mind i said oh i'm just gonna ride half the race just really hard for him or whatever like man i'm gonna go cover an attack and sit in um and lo and behold here i am and like lean lean him out towards the finish uh with no no expectation of that so i think point being is just sometimes you put your head down and ride and you surprise yourself uh with what happens I think there are other examples of who was the woman, the first American woman to win the Boston Marathon. Um, she was like, oh, I wasn't really feeling great that day. Oh, and then I won, by the way. And it's, uh, yeah, there are some low pressure situations where you just perform well because you're in the zone and you feel good, not because it's the time to perform, but yeah, it's... that can be an advantage as well, I guess, from a mental, like a psychological perspective is learning how to just be in the zone and not feel the pressure and just embrace the racing and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think those are always the interesting performances when you didn't have an expectation like, Oh, I'm just going to do this thing. I'm just going to hop in this race or I'm going to do this, do this ride. And like, Oh, whoa, that was, that was a good, that was a good day. That was a good result. Yeah. So uh, I have a little bit of a, um, a sneaky or, well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, my next story is actually about a local red kite crit um, in the 2-3 race. Uh, I think the field wasn't too big. It was only like 20 riders or so. And I I wanted to try and split the field because I didn't want to sprint against everyone. I'm much better in a reduced field sprint than a, a breakaway sprint than a full field sprint. And I remember putting in a big attack and it didn't quite work until three guys just blew past me and I had two guys on my wheel and I I remember convincing one of the other guys to bridge the gap for us I just yelled at him and said you know we're gonna lose if if you don't do this and you know I I guess I inspired him that's something that a lot of the great salesmanship there yeah um that's something that a lot of older riders will say is really important is convincing the young guys to um, do the work for you. And, you know, you, you have to convince them that the only way that, you know, they have a chance is by doing the work for you. So he, yeah, he bridged the gap. He was actually older. So maybe my theory is a bit bunk, but, uh, you know, I convinced this guy, Hey, you got to close that. I'm toast. The other guy's not going to pull through. You got to close this thing. And And it wasn't that much work, but he did it. And then he instantly got dropped. And what do you do? Like, thanks. Sorry. Uh, you know, and I, I tagged onto these front guys and I was not feeling again, not feeling great. And I didn't pull through at all. We did not do a, a rolling pace line. I sat right at the back. I did not move. My legs felt awful. And I was actually friends with a couple of these guys. And, um, you, yeah, you, you were friends. This is a past, uh, past tense. <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, but all is, um, fair and, and love and bike racing. Right. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's part of the story is, um, you know, they, they didn't try and flick me. So flicking is when you try and, um, like in a pace line, if your last wheel, the person in front of you sits up and forces you to come around them to the other riders. And usually if you, um, have a good 
correspondence with the front rider, they'll gun it as the other person sits up to expand that gap as much mm-hmm. as possible. And it's you, if you do this three or four times, the last place rider gets pretty tired because they have to do this anaerobic effort each time. So they never tried to flick me. They, you know, they just let me sit there a couple of times. They're like, Hey man, you got to pull through. And I said, no. And then they said, okay. And, uh, anyway, we're going into the last lap and I'm in the front group of five going into the finish line. You think I'm not going to sprint? So I sprinted. Of course, my legs were fresher than all of theirs because I wasn't, you know, pulling through and I ended up winning. And, um, yeah, so of the two people that I knew that I was friends with, the one guy didn't want to talk to me at all. The other guy was like, you played that really well. And, you know, that's bike racing. Um, I know the one guy who wasn't as happy. He's not so much into the tactics and the, um, who were the, uh, the pro riders? It was, it was Cousins and uh, a Katusha rider in that one pro race where they were like, the two of them were off the front and, um, the direct energy rider wouldn't pull through and the Katusha rider said, well, we can't get caught because I'm happy with a second. And he just gave the guy the win because, and the only reason the guy won is because he was willing to say, I'm willing to lose. And if you're not willing to lose, then you have to let me win. And that's what I basically did in this race was I just said, Hey, I'm not pulling through. If you want the field to come back together. And, and honestly, for me, I couldn't have pulled through anyway. I, you know, I had my cards out on the table already. And so I didn't pull through. They didn't flick me. I sprinted, uh, you know, that's bike racing tactics. That's kind of how it works. And, um, I think that you always have to be aware of other riders who are doing this tactic. This is really common tactic. And also don't be afraid to do this tactic yourself. Uh, it's not less honorable or less, uh, you know, sportsmen like to do this. This is what bike racing is about is finding an advantage for yourself within the field. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's totally fair. I, I think it it's one of those things where it might leave somebody with a sour taste in their mouth just because maybe they didn't think of it or they you know thought you were being a, a poor sport or, or cheating them somehow. But at the same time, like they could have done the same, right? I mean, it's all they could have played that tactic had they wanted to. Um, you know, maybe with two people doing it in the breakaway, that might not have gone over so well, but. You know, it is, it is what it is. It's bike racing. It's just part of, part of the game and you have to know how to play your cards when you're out there. I think breakaways are kind of the most fascinating thing because you know, at some point you will no longer be friends. It's guaranteed that you yep. won't be friends at some point. And, uh, when a breakaway first starts, everyone's, you know, willing to pull through a little extra. Everyone wants to go really hard. And then it just slowly turns into a, you know, a villainous group of, uh, you know, it's almost like those psychological games that, you know, there's like books about them or, um, where, or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, like prisoner's dilemma sort of yeah, thing. Like yeah. those sort of things. And it's like, well, if I help them, then you know this and like, but I like them and, um, the dynamics are so fun and that's why breakaways are really fun. And you have to be, you have to be willing to be really savage at the end of the day, if you want to get the result or you want to get the dynamic that you need in order to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's like you say, it, it's fun and it's it's always very cooperative at the at the onset because it has to be right. You can't have somebody just dead weight at the beginning because it's just not going to go anywhere. Um, but then finding finding that point and find those little advantages, right? Even if it's seemingly early and you just skip one or two pulls here and there, right, to save yourself a few a few watts, save yourself a little bit of energy. Um, all those little all those little things maybe add up towards the end. 
Yeah, I remember um, NorCal Cycling's um, YouTube channel. His uh, He got third at one of the Intelligentsia Cup races. And he said that there was this one guy who kept having to eat in the middle of the circuit race. And, and the circuit race was an hour and a half, two hours. So, you know, you don't need to fuel that much. Maybe, you know, maybe you have a couple bars. But he kept saying, oh, I'm eating. And as, as an excuse to not get in line in the group. And then he ended up doing like a blistering 1K attack and stayed away. And it's like, well, you know where he got those legs from, from skipping pools. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the group was just too big to keep him accountable. So it, I think it was like a nine rider group. And in that, it's too hard to you know point at one guy. If it's four people or five people, it's like... It comes pretty clear. We know that guy's not doing anything. But when it's nine, it's... Uh, it's a lot harder to say, oh, that guy has fresh legs because he hasn't been working. Right. So I, I think breakaways are so fascinating. And uh, if you get the chance to get in one, I think that they're really exciting. And if you're smart, that's the biggest thing is um, keep rotating, but really think about what are you going to do to win? Because at the end of the day, your group is going to implode and you know you want to be on the top step when that implosion happens. So think about how you think it's going to implode. What are you going to do to get, get get yourself an advantage? And how are you going to cross that line first? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe bad analogy here, but a breakaway is sort of like a multiple choice test, right? Like you've gone, you see, you get the multiple choice quest test. You have four questions, but really there's only two of them. They're actually any good. So you throw the, you know, throw two of the useless ones out. And you're like, okay, now I'm down to 50%. But like my odds got much better. Same thing with a breakaway, right? Like, yeah, I had, I had 50 riders. Now I have five. My odds of winning now at like 20% all things instead of 2%. Life is good here. I just have to figure out how I maybe, you know, inch that 20% up towards 25 or 30% uh, with the right tactics and the, you know, like the right smart approach to this breakaway. Yeah. Speaking of breakaway tactics, I remember one race, uh, I think it was dash for cash. And the two big teams that showed up were Tayrun and Mark pro. And um, Tayrun had a, a few more riders and they had a few more breakaway riders. They had their sprinter who was very good. Mark Pro had their sprinter that was very good. And they kept trying to get a breakaway to form, you know, to increase their chances of winning. And the sprinter from Mark Pro got into the breakaway with two Tayrun riders who weren't Tayrun's sprinter. And what happened was with, I think, five laps to go, maybe six, the. The front group flicked the sprinter from Mark Pro out of the front group. So Mark Pro put all their money on their sprinter being in the breakaway to sprint and get a result. And he got flicked with six to go. So their chances are completely dashed. And what they did was they all got on the front and they just did, you know, four hot laps all as a team and pulled back the break. They just shut the break down. But what happened as a result of that was they were all smoked and the Tayrun sprinter had a free ride mm-hmm. to an easy sprint. And so this is, you know, 200 IQ chess match of, look, your sprinter is in the breakaway. If we flick him, then you can chase his back. But then our sprinter is ready to, and, and you're, you're doing this really interesting dynamic of, of forcing your opponent into certain hands and you force them into situations by saying, you know, your sprinter's not in the break, so we're going to, you have to shut down the break, but now you're too tired and um, you're, you know, you're trying to manipulate this situation so that you have an advantage in some way. And whether that is, 
Are you right behind the biggest guy in the breakaway? Todd, I'm sorry. I would probably oh, sit on your wheel. I understand that. I, I, I absolutely do. Happens all the time. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm looking for the biggest guy that I can sit behind so I can get the most, um, you know, blockage of the wind. I'm also looking to stay in the wind as little as possible. All these little things will save you 10, 20, 30 kilojoules. And you'll really want those at the end of the race when you try and, you know, make a dash for it. I mean, for what it's worth, I'm also always looking for the biggest guy. It's just I'm usually bigger than the next biggest guy a lot of the time. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there there's certainly a balance with size, and it all comes out probably. I, I would say probably your fueling and your hydration is going to be more important than you know your overall size. Yeah, I, it just depends on the duration of the race, right? Yeah. So um, another race that i have is the philly flyer road race this is a collegiate race actually by the um there's like a kids museum in downtown philly that we get to ride along the maniunk river and then up a hill to the um, museum and then back down and it's it's in this really nice park so it's kind of special to be able to do the race and every year it's raining or snowing and um i I think one year it was sunny but uh this year, it was really bad, um, really wet. I remember, I think, 40-degree weather. I had long finger gloves on. That's how you know it was bad because I hate long finger gloves. And it was a pretty mundane race. I think there were two people up the road, or no, four people up the road, and one of them flatted with, like, five miles to go. And how horrible is that to be to know that you're, you know, top four and then you just flat? And especially in the rain, you know, you're just sitting on the side of the road, cold, you know, soaked to the bone. Anyway, I took advantage of this by, I was in the field. We went up the hill. We went around. There was a roundabout that we had to go around. And I was setting up for the sprint. You know, best I can do is fourth. And I put myself fourth wheel because it was a bit of a long sprint. And what happened was the front rider wiped out in the rain and took out the two riders behind him. And there I was looking at, you know, clean air, finish line, all by myself. And actually, the person behind me also crashed. I was basically the only one that, you know, like the swipe came through and everyone else got hit by the windshield. And I stayed up and I ended up getting fourth because I was in the the right right position. And that's it. And, you know, honestly, I didn't have good legs that day. I was very cold at the finish. And this is the same thing. I just said, hey, let's have a go. You got to be in the right position to get into a sprint. And, you know, I actually just cruised to the line. I looked behind me. There's, you know, everyone was just picking their bikes up and it's like, okay, well, what I'm, I'm not going to take this fourth place. And, uh, and the only reason I didn't crash with everyone else, I mean, part of it was luck. Absolutely. But I was at the front of the race at the end of the race and, you know, people get rewarded for their positioning all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a little different, a little different tangent here. Um, I mean, similar positioning to a certain extent but also so i mean in mountain biking you have you know your fire roads and you have your single track and a lot of time you want to be the first or at least in the you know the top couple going into the single track so you can keep an eye on things so you know especially if you want to be competitive and you know feel like and that's because it's hard to get around other people right on the single track yeah and right i mean if you're you can imagine like in that situation if you're you know eighth and the fifth rider crashes or gets off now all of a sudden the top four riders start to develop a gap in front of you and there's nothing there's literally nothing you can do because the the trail's clogged up <laughs> so you know it early in my racing career i was very much of the mindset like okay this is an endurance race and i'm gonna you know like 
play the long game and I'm going to like, you know, slow and steady wins the race was like my mental approach to it. Cause I, you know, I came from a running background and like, if you're running cross country, ah, heck the course is open enough. You're running 5k. You, you don't really have to worry about passing anybody. That's like not a big deal. Like if you can run the pace at the front, you can run the pace at the front and you're not, you're not passing it. So I finally got you know, encouraging my dad. I was like, well, so just, if you go out there, just go with the lead group, let's go, go in the front and ride in the front and see, see what happens. Well, but what if I can't keep up? I was like, well, then you can't keep up like big deal. If you can't keep up, the same thing's going to happen. If you're in the middle, like you're not going to keep up. It is what it is, right? Your, your results going to be the same. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go, like, I'm just going to go whoever goes first. I'm just going to ride their pace. Like whatever, whatever it is for as long as I can ride their pace. And if I get close enough to the finish line, I feel like I ride faster Then I'm going to ride faster. So, you know, gun goes off. I do this. I go, I'm like second, second wheel and riding for a while. I'm like, ah, like I'm feeling pretty good that day. Like this isn't a bad pace. Like I can, I can totally do this. Like, and I'm not, I'm nowhere near the finish line. Mind you, like, this is not, not fitting with the original strategy. I'm like, eh, back with it. I'm just going to go faster. And I just went faster and kind of that, that was that right. Several miles later, oh, it's the finish line. And I'm the first guy. This is fantastic. Why didn't I do it? Why hadn't I tried this before? This is a, like, this is actually a pretty good strategy. I see, I see why the races went down this way before. Yeah. I think that's always funny is, um, I've had this a lot, especially as a cat four, cat three, you, you look at someone who won and you're like, all they did was sit around and then they sprinted and then they won and, and you're frustrated. You're like, oh, they're not even good. You know, their FTP is probably, you know, my FTP is higher than theirs or, um, you know, they're riding a steel bike or, you know, you, you always have some excuse, but you know, you're like, why don't I just do what they did? And, uh, I, I think everyone in their racing career has this novel thing of, oh, well, that's how they won. I bet I could do that. Or let me try that. And it ends up being easier than you think. Yeah. I, you know, I think for me, it was this big mental hurdle, like, oh, I have to do that thing where I set the pace for everybody. I don't know if I want to do that. Like, can I, can I even, am I strong enough to do that? Like, maybe I just, maybe they'll go too fast and I'll catch them. That was always my, my mental process was like, I'm going to ride my pace, whatever that may be. And I'm going to assume that when they go off the start line really hard, that they're not, that's like poor pacing. And what's going to happen over the course of this race is I'm going to ride a steady pace and they're going to come back to me or I'm going to catch up to them in time for the finish line. And Hey, this is, this is going to work out great for me, but that ignores a whole bunch of other factors that happen in a mountain bike race, like people slowing down in front of you and other things you can't control. Yeah, and I, th I think we had um, an episode on anomalous races pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing we both noted was times when we had really good overall power, we had we were way too hard at the beginning. Or not way too hard, but a little bit hard, too hard. Harder than you would have thought. Yeah, and, and you always have this decay of power over time if you're doing some sort of maximal effort. But sort of over-guessing and then tuning back seems to be the way to get the most power out based on both of our experiences. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading, um, I think this is in Dur, it's like he talks about the the marathon runners, right? And so, oh, yeah, you know, if you say, I'm going to run my marathon in whatever time from the start line, like you've set your pace and you've basically set your best result. Like I'm going to run, you know, whatever, 210 if you're really fast. Like, Okay, well, I'm like every mile I'm pacing for two ten, 
And like, that's basically the best you're going to do. Like, Oh, I got 209.58, like crushed it. Um, whereas if you're a little more liberal, you're like, well, yeah, 210, 210 is reasonable, but maybe I can run 207. Then you might actually end up doing a little bit better. Or if you just go with the race, right? Like, yeah, you know, look, the winner's time for this race is 205. The heck with it. I'm going to go and try to run with the, the front group. And, you know, you might actually do it as opposed to saying like, oh, I'm just going to run this 210. Um, and like you run 210 and that's great. And but people beat you by five minutes and you might have been able to do that. I think this uh, also is true in the hour record. So there are there's actually kind of a history of people abandoning the hour record at like 40, 45 minutes. And the reason is if you're below the pacing to, to break the hour record, you're not going to go faster in the last 15 10, minutes, yeah, yep. 10, 15 minutes of the hour record. So you, you better be over pacing and then you're going to decay and be okay with that decay as long as you're you know right. above the or below the record. And th- it's the exact same thing. It, back to our original uh, lesson from this story. I remember one of my collegiate teammates, he really didn't like that. So one thing that was really common in crits is everybody clips in and sprints first lap is super hot. And that's because positioning is important. The depth of field, there's a high variety of skill mm-hmm. levels in, uh, in the A in field. Yeah. yeah, especially in collegiate. So if you can push the slower riders to the back, it's easier to get rid of them. You're safer at the front. There's a lot of good reasons to try and get to the front in a collegiate race that maybe in a you know a standard club race isn't quite as justified. But he, he always hated that. He said, I don't want to be in a race where my ability to clip in matters. And it's uh, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't think your race should be determined by your clipping in or not. But at the same time, like you said, why don't you try and clip in quickly and sprint the first lap and see what happens? Yep. You might end up top 10 riders and you know your your time might be a lot easier. And then back to what we said, why don't you try in a crit to stay in the top 10 wheels? You know, if you're always at the back and you're always almost getting popped, why don't you try and stay at the front? Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I can do it. And it's like, well, you won't know until you try and go up there and you might find out that it's actually a bit easier to stay up there than it is to sit last wheel. I mean, I think that's a a lot of bike racing is it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Like, oh, well, it looks like people win from the top 10, but it seems like it's hard to go up there. So I'm not, I'm just not going to go up there. Like, well, if you never do it, you're not going to know. Like maybe, you know, like you say, maybe you'll find out like, oh, that wasn't actually so bad. Or that actually works out pretty well for me. I got to, I'll do that more often. And actually that brings me to another race. Um, so Ward's Ferry Road Race is a hilly, it's considered a hilly race. And it's it's kind of shorter hills, but they're very steep. So there's there's one long five minute hill, which is long for, uh, unless it's Patterson's Pass, that's considered long. So one, one long hill into a descent, into a bit of rollers, and then like steep hills, but they're kind of um, leveled steep. And, like um, stair step? Yeah. And um, I remember I was in that race. I think it was only 17 or 18 riders. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's three hours away. So a lot of people aren't really interested in getting up at 4 a.m. for a road race. I am, uh, thankfully. But I was... I was the last person in the front group to make it over the hill with, I think, two laps to go. And there was like a very clear split in the people who had given up and the people who hadn't. And I was the last person to not give up. And I, I 
descended, you know, everyone sort of sat up at the bottom of the hill so we could all regroup. And we were going into the stair step climbs and we went past a couple dropped riders. This was in the P12 field. We went past a couple dropped riders from a master's field. And as we're riding by, they say, these are the best climbers in the NCNCA. And I was sitting there on the back of the field like, I am not a climber. I don't know why he thinks these are the best climbers in the NCA. And what I realized afterwards thinking about that is if you're in the front group in a hilly road race, you're not not a climber. And it's important to not assign yourself roles and not assign yourself abilities because you don't know until you're in the race if you're going to be in the front group, the second group, the last group. You don't know if you're a climber until you're climbing and you see how fast everyone else is. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you're a bike racer, right? And then hopefully, and you you adapt to what's what's given on the day. Yeah, and and that's the same thing for so I think for heavier riders, um, you know, oh, I'm not a climber. For skinnier riders, oh, I'm not a sprinter. Or um, you know, some riders, oh, I'm not a time trialist. You hear that all the time. Oh, I don't really do that. And it's like, why not? And who says you can't do that? And just because you got a couple bad results in the past in that discipline or one course didn't suit you doesn't mean you're not that role or you're not a bike racer who has the capacity to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's definitely that mental mindset and you have that self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you're, if you're convinced you're not a climber, well, you know, game, game over at that point, right? As soon as, as soon as the road pitches upward, you might as well just unclip. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, aren't a climber, we have an episode on, uh, you know, how to be a climber, but you know, if, if you think you're a climber or you think you can survive the climb, you go to the front at the beginning, you sag correctly, you know, you really go all out to make sure you get over the crest in the group. You do all these things that say, I'm staying in this group. And those are the things that climbers do. And if, if you say, oh, I'm not a climber, you're not likely to get up to the front. You're not likely to just slug it out and make sure you get over in the front group. And these things are what determine, you know, if you if you actually succeed or not. And then they influence your future understanding of yourself. So my my suggestion is don't even play those mind games in the first place. Don't worry about if you're a climber or not. If there's a climb coming up, get to the front. If there's a sprint coming up, get to the front. If uh, you know, if you're doing a time trial, do your best time trial. Don't think about who you are, what type of rider you are, whatever. Just do what is asked of you as a rider on that day. Yeah, I guess for me, it's I'm always looking at where's my advantage here, right? Like, I certainly don't have the body type of a climber. I'll, I'll give you that much. I'm not the, you know, I'm too big to be a climber, if you will. But then I look at the course and I say, well, look, if I can get over that hill, then I feel pretty good about my sprint. So let me just figure out how I'm going to get over that hill and then... I'll deal with the sprint when I get there. Like I feel good about that on that day. So I think it's about looking for your advantage and trying to identify like, yeah, look, I might have to work a little hard in that climb. Maybe that doesn't, you know, maybe that's not my ideal scenario, but I'll figure it out. Right. I'll, I'll play the hand I'm dealt and then I'll, I'll find the opportunity for, for me to play to my strengths. Maybe you get in a breakaway, right? Like, Hey, there's a climb before the finish. Let me see if I can get a breakaway and get a little, get a little head start up that hill. So that if the field catches me, I'm in a good spot. Um, it's just, yeah, thinking, thinking ahead, playing ahead, that higher level uh, thought process and like chess match that happens during the bike race, I think is the, the key piece there. 
Yeah, speaking of chess matches, something that I do regularly, especially in crits, because they are generally a bit more tactical, and you don't have as much time to think as... The, the old saying goes, you have minutes in a road race to make a decision, you have seconds in a crit, and in track racing, if you're thinking, you've already, you've already <laughs> messed up. So, you know, coming from track, that was really difficult to... I basically defaulted to always following attacks. Um, so... In a crit, you do have a little bit of time to think about, you know, someone attacked, some people are reacting, you're in the field. I will normally slink to the back of the field and just go on autopilot so I can think about what's happening. Okay, who's in the break? What teams are they on? How many people are on each team? Who looks like they're chasing? Who seems excited to chase? How many teammates do I have? Are my teammates willing to work? You have to ask all these questions and you have to decide for yourself. I'm not going to do any work because I think that break's coming back. Uh, I'm not going to do any work because I think it's gone, and I'm and I'm you know going to prepare for the sprint. I'm going to convince my teammate to do some work. I'm going to do some work for my teammate. You have to make a decision and have a plan, but you also have to slow down and think and go on autopilot in order to create that plan at some point in the race. Yeah, I think if you if you race too reactively, you're going to burn a lot of matches and maybe not get the result. Like sometimes late in the race, yeah, you just have to react, right? Like if you're a couple laps to go in a crit, maybe you just need to react to what's happening in front of you. Or, But if it's earlier in a race, you might be well served to just process the situation a little bit and not make a rash decision. Yeah, it's so common. I think inexperienced riders, they always want to be the one to cl- close the gap yep. or you know, close the wheel or whatever. And it's, it's very instinctual to say, look, there's a space I should fill that space, but it, you know, that, that might not serve you and your end goal of trying to win the race. And I think a lot of newer riders, they'll say, well, I got a good workout as an excuse for, you know, not doing well in the race. Well, that's, that's funny. Cause I was going to, I was just going to say like, yeah, on your club ride or your, you know, your group ride, if you want to like fill the space and cover every attack, that's cool. Cause you're trying to get a good workout. Yeah, but in a race, we don't care about how much, you know, TSS you got in your race. Yeah, what your max heart rate was. Yeah, we just care about what your results were. So, yeah, it's really common for newer riders to pull back the brake with two laps to go because they feel like they influence the race. It's it's almost like the kid who, who breaks toys just to know that they have that much control over the world. And uh, in reality, you should say, how do I get my number to be as low as possible on this right yeah how do i optimize this yeah as opposed to how do i you know try and prove that i did something and uh, honestly you shouldn't be afraid of um sitting at the back all all day because you you think it's going to be a field sprint and you want to save your energy sit at the back all day try and move up moving up didn't work like maybe you got stuck behind a crash or uh, maybe you got boxed out on the last lap and it just didn't work out it's okay to go home and, and just say, well, my plan was to sit at the back and then move up. I executed the plan. It didn't quite work out. That's okay. We, you know, we had a plan. We did the plan. It didn't quite work out. That's better than sort of just going in and, you know, thrashing about a bit and then going home. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I think it's the value in that comes when you sit in the on the way home or get home and you reflect on that and say, okay, well. I had a plan. I executed my plan. My result wasn't what I wanted and say, what might I do different next time? Or was there something about my plan that was maybe flawed that needs change so I can get a better result next time? Yeah. And speaking of that, I think um, writer's notebooks are really important. 
so training peaks which is everyone's favorite uh file storage and um organizational device for cyclists i think that it's good to write in the post ride uh, blurb or whatever you whatever it's called for the workouts write what happened in the race and be kind of um really pointed really write a couple paragraphs on well the race started um you know hot early there was a small break they got pulled back i decided i didn't want to chase they ended up coming back you know be really ex- explicit about what happens and even writing that out and remembering the race and remembering your thoughts in the race already goes a long way to help you do the introspection you need to say what needs to change next time or what needs to change my training or you know man my cornering really let me down this race and going through these mental steps either later that night maybe the next morning while you're drinking your coffee or whatever you know getting ready for the day do it sometime you know the next 24 hours and go through that thought process and that goes a really long way to making sure you don't make the same mistakes next time and you learn what you need to learn in order to do better I mean, to be honest with you, that's actually one of my favorite things that we do with the high school athletes is after the race, we sort of all sit down and and drink our chocolate milk, which is the preferred recovery drink of, you know, any good high school mountain biker. And you basically talk about, talk about the race and sort of, Hey, what went well for you out there? What challenges did you have? And I think the, the, honestly, I think the most important thing we do for the athlete development is to say, okay, well, given that what sorts of things should we all be working on in practice next week? And we actually let them drive it a little bit, at least, you know, let them throw out the ideas and then we can help as coaches uh, shape it into drills and things that we're going to integrate into the practice moving forward. Yeah, that's really interesting and, and actually really good. I would say how often are they right about what they need to work on? Uh, you know, I would say it improves over the season for sure. And it improves from like freshman to senior um, through just through that development, say freshman, you kind of get a lot of randomness, like, and and sometimes it's easy things, like, well, I I I didn't eat breakfast. Like, we talked about <laughs> that. Eat breakfast next time, oh, okay, coach. Um, and then I think as you get to the like the varsity riders and some of the senior riders, you know, they have very specific things where they say like, hey, I was on that hill and I didn't I didn't go with that attack, and well, you know, that was the top three guys of the race. I should have I should have gone with that move. You know, I, I missed, I just didn't, I had the legs and I didn't think that they were, they were serious about it. Like, okay. Yeah. That's, you know, um, so I'd say it, it probably varies from like hit or miss sometimes with the freshmen of like, eh, I'm not, not sure what just went on there. I'm tired and this chocolate milk tastes really good. Um, to sometimes I think when you get to the, the senior, the varsity riders, they've done it. I mean, they've been doing it for four years with us, right? They've gone through this routine, this practice, they can be pretty specific and say like, Oh yeah, this is this is what didn't go well for me, and like where I need to, you know, uh, improve my skills. I need to practice. Yeah, I so I personally think, uh, based on my discussions with my other club riders, and I, I think that a lot of the newer riders sometimes don't really see what you know what thing they're missing. So sometimes they'll say, oh, you know, my quartering's not great. That's their example. And it's really, well, actually your comfort in tight situations isn't great. So, you know, obviously you can't corner well if you're not comfortable being close to other riders or um, if you keep getting squeezed out or you keep finding yourself at the back. Uh, these these are things that maybe they won't, won't recognize that, hey, whenever I look at the race, you're sitting last five wheels. So, 
you know, it's not that your sprint's bad. It's that you're starting a bad you know, spot. Yeah, you, you your, sprint's, sprint your sprint's great. You just, <laughs> you just started way too far back. Yeah. So I, I think it's also good to ask other people or, um, you know, ask your teammates, ask, uh, your coach. I, I mean, that's a great reason to have a coach is for them to say, you know, here's something that maybe you haven't thought of. So as mu- as important as it is to think on your own, it's also important to ask someone else and get the outside view because yep. it, it can be really hard to uh, be objective from the outside. Yeah. And I think I would say, you know, think about the novice riders, it tends to be like a more broad statement about like, oh, what do I need to work on? It's like, oh, well, I wasn't strong enough. Okay. Well, there's, there's a lot that goes into that, right? Like, I, I know you wanted to ride faster because you weren't first or you weren't like you didn't place where you wanted to, but I wasn't strong enough. That's like a whole constellation of things that it could be. Um, whereas like if you start to like peel layers back on that, then, then you get down to like, Oh yeah. And I didn't eat breakfast. Right. Or like, Oh, I stayed up all night doing homework last night. Like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Um, so yeah, it, I think, with the more novice riders that it ends up being this process of like peeling that onion back to actually get to well so why why did that happen um as opposed to the more experienced riders it's pretty pointed like yeah i didn't do this thing in this moment and that was very important I, but i think what actually happens is the better or more experienced riders are just better at peeling back yeah. and so we all start with man i got destroyed on the gravel section you know, and, and then you say, why did I get destroyed? You know, and, um, was my cadence too high or, you know, it felt really bumpy. So that was annoying. You know, what can I do to make it less bumpy? Was my tire pressure too high? I think the more experienced riders, they, they get to the end right. a lot you, quicker. You don't have to ask them six different questions you don't, to yeah, get you there. You don't have they, to walk them through the, they, the thought yeah, process. They do it yeah. on their own and end up at that point. So, uh, the last race that I have to talk about is, um, Rockland Lake Circuit Race, also a rainy, cold collegiate race. Maybe I just learned a lot from my uh, collegiate racing. The The biggest advantage of collegiate racing is actually the fact that there's a time trial, a road race, and a all crit. all on the weekend. Yeah, one weekend you get three races. They're also very cheap. Like it's 50 bucks race fees for all three races combined. I, is, that, is that how it is on the West Coast? Um, I, You know, it's been a while, but I want to say, yeah, it was like on the order of $15 a race and then like our club paid for everything. So we didn't, we never paid a dime out of pocket for that. Yeah. And, and then what you get the cheapest motel room you can find in the area, of course. Yep. And yep. Uh, so this race just outside New York city, it's in a park. I think it's a seven mile circuit. And this was the first race. We had a new cat one teammate who was a PhD student and I had ridden with him a couple times in training. I knew it was fast. And I coming into there was like a small hill on the course coming into the hill on the second lap I saw him kind of on the prowl you know he he was sitting eighth tenth wheel kind of you know head down like definitely looked like uh like he was gonna make a move so I sped up to get right on his wheel and you know as soon as the hill starts like well, all hell breaks loose. Everyone's going everywhere. It's rainy. It's cold. You know, just just mayhem. And what ends up happening is he gets away. I'm with him, and one other rider is there. And we work as a trio for a little while. The other guy gets popped. So it's just him and I. And uh, basically, he just sort of escorts me home. Like, hey, thanks. <laughs> you know, because I was a cat three at the time. I, you know, my FTP was you know moderate, not not terribly good. And so he did most of the work, but. 
the big takeaway here is, uh, you know, learn about the race, learn about the racers and, you know, know what wheels to follow. And uh, the other part of the story is that we actually won by like five minutes. And the reason for that is because a rumor of rumor got started in the field that it was a couple cat ones up the road. And uh, basically they gave up. They said, well, we can't catch a couple cat ones. And so we, we ended up having a bit of a, you know, a leisure time towards the end and, um, you know, know who's in the race, know who's good and pay attention to them, get on the right wheel, you know, and, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. I think that's just being, being observant is such a big piece of racing your bike. Not, I mean, not just, you know, knowing who's in the race, knowing your position, all, all those little pieces that have to come together. So, uh, that's all I have for this episode. Todd, if you have any last minute lessons, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this forever, but, um, I think, I think we hit the high points as far as, you know, valuable lessons to learn. I'm sure there's a a ton of other little things that we could touch on or, and have touched on over, over prior episodes. And we'll, we'll continue to touch on in future episodes. Um, but with that, uh, if you enjoy this and you're listening, certainly please share with friends or, you know, fellow writers. And uh, if you like us, leave us a review. Or if you don't like us, leave us a review. Either way, we we do appreciate your feedback. And uh, with that, until next time, thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down.